0: welcome to the big scuba podcast this is jill heinerth and i'm excited to sit down for a conversation with ian and Gemma.
1: hello everyone welcome back to the big scuba podcast this is episode 24 Gemma.
2: yeah it's episode 24
1: welcome everybody so episode 24 this is another one with Jill, our good friend Jill Hyners. Uh came back to talk to us about cave diving. Brilliant to have Jill to come back and talk to us about this. Great privilege. Thank you very much to Jill to uh, give us that time. Before we get into the episodes, let's just have a few shouts out, to. Gemma?
2: Yeah, so to our Patreon.
1: Yeah, hello guys. Uh thank you to you all for making it all possible. You know, your contributions help every month to cover some of the costs. So thank you very much to everybody. Look up where we are on the Patreon site. Look up the Big Scoop podcast and you can choose to be a octopus, a dolphin, an orca or blue whale, And they're all the different levels of being a patron and how you can get involved. OK, so um, look us up on that. Also, we need to say hello to our great friends that we've got out there with Blue O2, um, Fourth Element, Mares, SSI and the Reef World uh, it's brilliant you know that we can um, count on you guys for a bit of support help us with competitions we've got another competition coming up
2: we've got all this support from our yeah
1: partners partners and friends so it's brilliant you know so thank you very much um, for all, all your contribution guys Gemma you know you've got a beautiful uh, dry suit to... I
2: have from 4th Element Four. yes yeah yep.
1: and that's brilliant you know that they've supported us like, and helped you out with uh, yeah, a really beautiful looking uh, dry suit it's that's a really nice one so uh, yeah, excellent yeah. brilliant so uh apart from that the other thing that we need to just say is as well is if this is your first time with us listening to what we get up to is uh, there's a whole range of different guests that we've had on uh through the lockdown period and since we started uh look us up and if you do get us a chance get a chance to look on youtube uh look up the big scuba podcast you'll find us on youtube and see what we've been up to and if you get a chance do hit the old subscribe button and ring that bell everyone likes the sound effect did you like that yeah
2: subscribe and ring the notification bell that's
1: it okay and that way you'll keep up to date with what's happened with the big scuba podcast and who also is coming up I think that's about it. I think that's, we've done the hellos.
2: Yep, and we're ready to Jill more about her exploration. Yeah, hope you enjoy, guys.
1: Let's uh, sit back and enjoy Jill Hyde. Thank you very much. Okay.
2: Highness, thank you for joining us on the Big Scuba Podcast.
1: You. Have you had like moments where you kind of thought, you know, like, scared, sort of where things are con sort of quite, sort of not quite right, you know, with your dive- cave diving, where you sort of thought that's a, a, bit of dive. a learning for <laughs> learning? Yeah. yeah,
0: no, I, I've had moments where I thought i'm gonna die (laughs) yeah uh you know i had one dive that i describe in my book into the planet uh, where i led a scientist into a really small cave it would be the equivalent of sort of squeezing underneath your bed And uh, deep inside the cave, my partner had a moment and panicked and got wedged entangled in the guideline, silted out the cave and was the cork in the bottle containing my life. And I remember thinking as I, you know, held on to this panicking diver that um, if I can't solve this for both of us, two women are going to die inside this cave today. And that's going to be world news. Can't let this happen. Mm.
1: Have fun, yeah, but these things don't happen, you have to kind of learn from them. And along with, like, if if you've got a Mm rebreather and you, um, somebody's probably going to shout at me go, This is really a simple question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, you've got a rebreather on your back and you're going to try and squeeze through a really tight gap. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Because obviously you don't want to bash your um, mm. rebreather. Well, in you the case of that
0: now. particular dive, I was actually on open circuit side mount because of the cave. Um, so I knew you know we were going to be scrubbing our way through a small cave, and so side mount makes a lot more sense because it's easier yeah. to slip through and it's easier to reach your tank valves. Tanks through. Yeah. Yeah, because on that emergency, I actually had to um, manipulate one tank valve on and off for each breath because I had a regulator that had been completely clogged with clay in the really? process of digging out my partner. Yeah, um, so so for that dive, I wouldn't have taken a rebreather because it wouldn't have been suitable. Um, so you have to think about those sorts of things in in risk assessments you know you can't afford to rip and tear the loop off your rebreather because that's a catastrophe there must
1: be times when you've when you're you're in a cave where it's a cave you either don't know well it's a new cave system to you Mm -hmm. and would you approach that with a rebreather on or would you have would you go right i'll go side
0: again it depends um so uh you you don't know what you're going to find when you go exploring and so you just have to know when to turn around really (laughs) and turn around and go not the right gear like i was doing some exploration work in california uh not too long ago and i was intending on using a rebreather for the project and then we got there and they're sea caves so sea caves have a lot of surge in and out of the sea cave like this was surge like I had never seen before. So you could go you know, hundreds of feet back in the cave and the surge would still like slam you up against the wall or compress your chest and your head uh, in the process. And so very quickly I went, oh no, rebreathers are not the tool for this. I aborted a dive very early, actually barfed yes. from the, <laughs> from hey. the surge under the water and got out of the water and went, okay, switching to side mount for the rest yes. of this project
1: yeah um is there any cave systems that you haven't done yet that you want to do oh god
0: yeah <laughs> yeah not just caves known cave systems but there's a lot of exploration out there left to do so
1: what would be on the what beyond your sort of t- next one to do probably
0: my next cave dive is going to be right here as soon as yeah. like diving opens up i've got like 10 kilometers of passages and probably much more to explore here locally so yeah I've got a lifetime of if I'm never able to it's leave, good, leave. It's good that you area. got that on
1: your doorstep. Really. Yeah. Do
0: Unfortunately, that. it's high flow, it's cold, and it's um, very low <laughs> visibility. But it's yeah. a cave.
1: <laughs> but then, I suppose a lot of them caves, it's pretty cold down there anyway, with most of them caves, aren't they? Uh,
0: well, the, the temperature of cave water uh, tends to be the um, mean average temperature of the land surrounding it, unless there's some geothermal activity. So... Yeah. If like, if you go to North Florida, for instance, the mean average temperature year round in the region is 21C. And so that's the temperature of the water in the caves all year round. So most caves will be stable all year round, which you know makes them great winter yeah. destinations. And if you amazing. want to know, you know, the, a good guess on the groundwater temperature, you just look at that mean average temperature.
1: And do you find like, you, that you're coming across like, some quite interesting creatures and critters and things mm-hmm. like that? You think, well, I did not one of them before.
0: Well, that's why I love caves. There's, I work with a lot of different scientists, from biologists to archaeologists and geologists, geophysicists, climatologists. So there's a lot of interesting science happening in caves. But the underwater life is one of the most interesting things. Bad, yeah. yeah, because they, the animals in caves um, live their entire life cycle uh, without ever seeing sunlight. So they're living chemosynthetically, and um, these animals are ancient um, Some of them haven't evolved in tens of millions of years, and most have no eyes, no pigment, so they have um, different sensory organs, different adaptations for hunting, and um, and they're also the source of of you know perhaps the future of bioprospecting as many of them have very interesting you know chemical um makeup and uh that's of interest to pharmacologists or uh, you know researchers interested in new drugs simple compounds mm. you had a um when you delivered your ted talk
1: mm-hmm. you had a one of them sort of critters in a jar um, which yeah, you said yeah. that's mm-hmm. you know if that was like 40 times its size it would be like it's really amazing beast you know size yeah of a cat.
0: That's a remipede, so imagine something that's maybe, you know, an inch to an inch and a half long, like a caterpillar sort of thing, except he's got venomous fangs and pincers and he can neutralize something 40 times bigger than him, kill it, turn its guts into jello and suck the life out of it over time. So amazing creature, has not evolved since before the extinction of the dinosaurs. So we find the same creature in the fossil record that we do swimming in the caves today. And uh, if it was the size of a cat, it would be the deadliest thing on earth. And It's just never
1: had to evolve, has it? because of where it lives there's no it doesn't have competition i suppose it didn't have to evolve.
0: but what's fascinating like we find it in places like in caves in bermuda that are only 150,000 years old so that means that remipede migrated from somewhere else and in bermuda we were trying to answer that question i How mean has a volcanic atoll in the middle of the atlantic ocean so did it come up from the deep ocean smoking vents like those are the closest no. relatives to these animals Um, So, how did it get there? How did it find these shallow, fresh rocks?
1: We're back to the old question. Yeah.
0: What came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. It's it's, it's the same question. the The cave. Yeah. How did it get there? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did the cave build up around the animal, or did the
0: yeah. animal get in the cave? Yeah, it, it's fascinating. um Yeah, we tried to answer the question. We haven't answered the question, so clearly, when can, can,
1: can, you get there to that question, Will you let us know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Clearly, they have a lot to teach us about evolution and survival. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Is it right? You what? You broke a world record for
2: going the furthest into a cave.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah, so back in the late 90s, um, i diving at Wakala Springs on the USD Caving Team Project, where we did the first um, accurate three-dimensional map of any space, dry or wet. Um, I finished a very long mission, mm-hmm. and while I was decompressing, the decompression was 17 hours from that mission. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. 17 hours. Yeah. Um, so while I was decompressing, someone sent me a note that said, "You just broke a woman's world record." And I'm like, oh, did, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, we weren't the the project wasn't about going as far as we could. It wasn't about exploration. It was about surveying. It was about testing this new device and and making that work. So it was kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Um, but I don't I don't like diving records. Like I don't like. Mm. quest to be the deepest i don't i don't like that like i would prefer a shallow cave any day <laughs> i don't want to take risks i don't necessarily want to dive you know it's a um, these are tools that i use to explore things and and do things um, but uh, i the first i want to mitigate and reduce Risk, And mm-hmm. I certainly won't ever engage in the pursuit of a record for the sake of a record, because I think right. that that invites others to compete and then that ends up with getting hurt or killed.
2: Yeah,
1: the element of risk then, yeah. yeah, does not it? Yeah. Yeah. Question for you. I've read that people have, in the past child like, while they're on uh, decompression, uh, eating. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get on for substance?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We eat, um, and then we also uh, take, you know, those little cardboard Tetra Pak drinks, you know, that have a little straw with a pointy. Yeah. Eye. Yeah. That's my, my one my ex- one exception for using a disposable straw. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, you can take those underwater. You can actually strap them on the side of a, a bailout tank, stage bottle, whatever, and um, and you can use the straw to you know puncture and drink underwater. And um, if it's, that takes a bit of bit of work. Yeah. Do yeah. That. Yeah, a bit of work. But then what? Do, what that about eating? Seventeen hours of deco. <laughs> yeah.
1: And um, I've read also about some people in their deep restaurant used the old one the first uh, Kindles in it, and oh, they'll put yeah. them in a yeah sit there on a use a kindle
0: well we used to read books underwater i mean we used to read national geographic magazine because it was printed on such good quality paper but no it's not Gosh. i mean I, i'm happy that they're not using that quality paper because they're using something that's recycled and recyclable but back in the day you could make a, a national geographic magazine or or a book last through multiple dives papers used to be really sort of plastic yeah yeah that's yeah. so you can actually take one of them down, right? Oh, yeah. We we used to read books a lot on Deco. Yeah, it's incredible. To, even paperbacks seem to last longer like than they do today. So You could actually read a paperback, take it out of the water, just let it dry in a clump, but you could take it back on another dive. Back underwater, it would loosen up. Pick yeah.
2: Is there anywhere in the world that you haven't been
0: that you want to... Sort of dive to oh you. yeah, oh yeah, I'll never be able to do all the exploration that I have on the on the list of, of potential projects, so it, absolutely there's a world of caves left to explore. We know more about space than we do about inner space, so there's plenty for me and every other cave diver on this planet yeah. <laughs> to work on for decades.
2: It's, you just don't know what's under underneath the ground, do you? It's that's a, right, yeah. That's
0: yeah, you don't know until you go. <laughs>
2: yeah, our other guest said it's just another landscape of the mm. landscape above yeah that's right really yeah. Cool. um what's kind of the deepest you've sort of ever dived to what was uh
0: deepest there? vertical yeah. underwater is about 140 meters yeah right yeah mm-hmm. was that in open water or okay? in the ocean yeah off bermuda we had andy uh Talbot
1: on and he'd oh, done yeah. a dive you know him Yes. Yes. Have you dive with him? Nope, no, no. One to do in the future, perhaps.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he, is,
1: he is. He was good. yes Yeah. He's, yeah. He's action man done loads of all different sorts of things. Yeah. One of yep. the things he's dived in is one of these bionic suits, so we can mm-hmm. go down to like. 600 meters you fancy that have
0: you done that one Do you want that's to? that's if i had one bucket list thing it would be to dive the exo suit for sure i uh i know phil the uh the inventor of the exo ex- suit phil newton and i i keep mentioning it to him every time i see him phil you know if you ever need Andy's it
1: and you was he only got to use it in the pool, the pool <laughs> go down in the depths and what have you yeah
0: uh, well it's a uh, it's quite a an undertaking even just to conduct the training in terms of expense <laughs> so. I
1: bet. yeah, yeah. I bet that's not a cheap piece of kit I mean, yeah yeah any sort of like funny blips you kind of had and you sort of when you got back you, you know you told everybody as like i'll give you an example um it's well known fact around here that uh, uh, last year I dived in with my, when I was teaching with uh, my dry suit, Oh, Andy, oh yeah, and Andy had, uh, had my lovely brand new thermals on as well, lovely and cozy. And I just so it was wide open and poured, and uh, it was one of them things where you're just thinking about everybody else and not you. <laughs> and um, Andy had done something quite similar as well. I can't remember what he'd done. Have, yeah. you, have, have you done anything like? Um, oh, Andy, had, um, on diving with a cream, uh, film, like
0: sunglasses on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and left the camera lens on. Cam-
0: oh, the lens cap. Yeah. Like Have you anything like that has ever happened to you? Oh you know, yeah. i don't know how to think of any any stories right now. Um, but oh yeah, I mean we all make those mistakes for sure. <laughs> Not too long ago, I was down in North Florida getting ready for a side mount dive, and and I was walking my tanks down these stairs and then across this concrete ramp that leads into the water, and I was wearing those like those Crocs shoes. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm walking a tank in each hand and I'm in my dry suit undergarments. I'm walking along, and then my feet just kind of went really? <laughs> the tanks and everything, like all the way Ouch. into the water. You hurt yourself. <laughs> no, fortunately, I just went with the flow, dropped the tanks, and uh, <laughs> crawled out. And as I did, another a German, very stoic cave diver was coming down the steps going, How is the water? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fine.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. That's cool. And um is there anything you would have um I think of this all the time really, we're not you know, in life generally. But is there anything else you would have done differently? You know, is there a dive when you got out and you thought we'd really do that?
0: Well, I'll never do that again? Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially from those early rebreather dives. I get out of the water and go, okay, yeah, we won't I, teach I it that joke. way. <laughs> we won't teach it that way. Yeah. I just about killed myself at Jenny Springs um, early in those rebreather days. So um, uh, when, again, we, we had no class. We were trying to figure out how you teach people to do things. And and sometimes um, that comes with bad ideas. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. so it had been stressed to me that this is an electronic piece of equipment and one must learn how to be Completely um, self-reliant. If all of the electronics failed, you know, despite the triple redundancy and all the battery backups and everything else, how would you manage this if everything failed and you had no way um, to even see what your oxygen partial pressure was, to even see the readouts from the sensors and. It, it's hard for me even to imagine now, looking back, that it would have been possible to have taken out all of those systems and not had the ability to to see my, uh, my uh, partial pressure. But we thought, okay, dive with all of the displays hidden. And um, this is probably more technical than I want to get into, but there's a way for a rebreather diver to manually operate a rebreather at a constant depth um, without seeing their displays. It can be safely done. And I did that for six hours and I came out of the cave and I went, oh, wow, I'm so proud of myself. Look at me in this cute little yellow box nobody else has. And I'm so proud of myself. And the ego just filled my head. And as I swam out of the cave and back down the spring run towards the steps, I I forgot. Like I You know, the ego took over or whatever. I was so proud of myself and I stopped injecting oxygen into the loop, which I had to do manually for that entire six hours while I didn't see my displays. And as I got right close to the steps, I suddenly felt like the curtains closing on my vision. Just this blackness coming in around the edges and I went, Oh crap. No lies. And I blew into open circuit and I pulled the sock off the display so i could see what my po2 was and it was 0.1 so uh, i was on the edge of passing out and and then subsequently i would have drowned in
1: same as that your friend in the test
0: (laughs) yeah so in two meter in two meters of water i'm very well may have killed
1: myself <laughs> you hear about Jack Cousteau he went down to Britannic on just an
0: open water setup yeah mm-hmm. I think that's remarkable isn't it mm-hmm. he'd he done that
1: 120 meters down
0: yeah yeah crazy eh? well he almost killed himself four or five times he almost he almost killed himself in mystery cave in the Bahamas too and uh, yeah but yeah. if it
1: wasn't for people and this goes back to being an astronaut i suppose mm-hmm. as well isn't it that if it wasn't for people like Seld Shackleton Jack Cousteau um, you know all these you know people like yourselves explorers and who are going out there to find where the limits are where mm-hmm. you know your phys- you know, human body can take as well mm-hmm. you know we would never we probably wouldn't have rebreathers and lots yeah. lot of the science. Yeah, I, so it's, it's thanks to you you know people like yourself you know who are doing these things so we can learn so make sure you come I, back
0: yeah <laughs> I like to say to students when you have an opportunity to learn how to shave using someone else's beard that's a good idea so, <laughs> so i kind of think of that. Like, okay, that we did this we learned something and i'll share that with you but don't do it
1: yeah. <laughs> i always say it's all you always got to get
0: home mm-hmm. at the end of the dive you always got to get home you know? that's right but, yeah uh, I, that's important to think about you know think about everyone at home when you start is, the dive yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I
1: there's um there's a guy who i know in the midlands uh, john routley from not mm-hmm. at N-
0: mm-hmm. you know you yeah. mm-hmm. know him? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah
1: i'm not friends but i, I know of him yeah you know, he uh he sh- showed me around one day some of the rebreathers and i know mm-hmm. some of the things involved in That's you know re- absolutely Mm remarkable what some of these people you know like yourself was uh, investigating and exploring the limits of what Mm -hmm. machinery because it's early days
0: Mm -hmm. technology oh yeah
2: yeah um obviously we've mentioned christina zanato and you Mm dived with her in the channel islands on bob ballard's expedition yeah Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. have you dived in many other places in the uk or any favorite spots in our
0: country (sighs) Uh, yeah, I haven't done much. I've, I've traveled around the UK a lot, done a lot of dive talks, and <laughs> done tons yeah. of stories, but I, I haven't dived offshore in the UK at all. Um, oh, right. on mainland, yeah. so yeah, I need to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: no, there's yeah, you know, it experienced is some wrecks. Apparently, good diving,
0: oh, <laughs> really? yeah. Well, yeah, you'll get a chance soon.
1: but <laughs> uh, we had the um, the uh, what have we the called the chalk shell? It? Well, there's all the chalk, chalk shell, yeah, got to get your words right, and uh there's but, but some off our shore here on the mm-hmm. east coast there's some really great uh, dives they're quite shallow so really good for um, beginner divers as well But mm-hmm. some beautiful uh, reefs off our. Yeah, uh, yeah so yeah some, some really good dive but off on the south coast they have currents and mm-hmm. you, they seem as though they can dive a lot more through the winter whereas with us on the east coast we get the north sea mm-hmm. um you know and you kind of really over the wind sort of pushing limits on it, if you want mm, to yeah. um, dive
2: that what about your fitness do you have to do you train your diving or have any special workouts or
0: eating yeah, yeah i'm not a gym rat or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty conscious about what i what i eat and and uh and i'm very active physically i ride ride bicycles a lot yeah yeah especially these days it's it's bikes and uh, bikes and hikes to to stay fit because because lord knows we're baking too these days (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's all these
2: like yeah cooks they didn't even know they could cook out there now
0: food comfort food seems pretty important in isolation (laughs) exactly yeah
1: Yeah. what about your sort of you know through your diving career have you sort of seen where much effects on the environment of that house improved
0: yeah yeah that's really become a big focus of mine in my in my work Um, and it's because you know someone I'm 55 years old and at my age I shouldn't have seen so much environmental change in my lifetime and and there's a lot that I see uh, that others aren't even aware of like I I traveled to the polar regions and going to the Arctic. It's, it's, it's changing so fast. It's shocking. So it's important to me to, to share information and messages about, you know, water resource protection, climate change. Um, Because I like to tell people that the ocean begins beneath your feet. It doesn't matter where you live. You know, if you live in the middle of, you know, landlocked Canada and Saskatchewan, you have an influence on the ocean because everything you do on the surface of the earth soaks into the ground and becomes part of uh, the groundwater that will eventually feed estuaries and rivers and creeks and lakes and this is so true.
1: John was mm-hmm. saying uh, when we interviewed John uh, that when he went down the Titan, mm-hmm. there were signs of modern-day waste. You know, Carbidge, down yeah. near two and a half miles down. That's yeah. Shocking. Uh, yeah. There's the signs of. That.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 that it's the you know plastification of the ocean, but it's it's also you know the loss of coral reefs, the loss of natural habitat um, in the caves. Um, we we are using more groundwater than is being replenished by rain. And so that's resulting in the reduced flow coming out of caves. So less pressure in the aquifer, um, also people think that just because you dump it on the ground it's going to be filtered out um, by the soils before it reaches the groundwater and that's just not true so coming out of springs we have nitrates that are fueling algal blooms we have pharmaceuticals that have made its way through the system so that there's caffeine and antidepressants and birth control that are now detectable coming out of this fresh spring water um so yeah there's a lot of a lot of things that are happening because there's so many of us on this earth (laughs) yeah we need to take care of it Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um because diving is such a male orientated dominated sport
1: as well um how does it feel to be such be a really successful uh women dive or how does it feel do you, do you do you come across things you know where you-
0: yeah I, I certainly had um a lot of challenges along the way and it it, it doesn't just happen in diving there's a lot of areas of society yeah. where the same thing's happening um and and yet i've tried to focus on just being the best that I can be as like, I actually don't like it when, when I'm referred to as a, you know, a a woman, a woman diver, you know, as if that's some great credential. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just a diver. (laughs) Um, Uh uh, So I I look forward to the future when we won't need to have a woman divers hall of fame. (laughs) I look forward to the future when we're all just divers and, um, we realize that there's no reason, any reason whatsoever, that should divide genders in underwater sports or anything. That's true. Yeah, that's no, that true. true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, with your book writing, did you ever think when you first started out learning to dive, you'd be writing a book? Is that something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I did. I I was writing books when I was in kindergarten. So uh, it, I actually found one that I wrote in kindergarten, and it was about the mysteries underground. So, wow!
2: <laughs> I was
0: six years old, I did an illustrated book called *The Mysteries Underground*. So, yeah, I think I was destined. <laughs>
2: I don't know it just seems like divers we've spoken to you it's just like something in them or something triggers it that it's just meant to be whatever it's like you know changes in nature or it's just in ground and as soon as they touch the water yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah, I am not a surface being like gravity and I are not good friends I'm so much more graceful underwater (laughs) (laughs) that's my element
2: yeah it's interesting really interesting um out of kind of all the dives you've done have you got one that was the most exciting or the most special that actually kind of surpasses anything else in terms of you know how it feels in your heart
0: um no there's many i guess um and and some of them are are well one one in particular that i remember and this is just snorkeling but but it was it was incredible i i was out in Newfoundland searching for, uh, icebergs that we were going to dive on. And we were just out in the Zodiac, um, scouting to find yeah. the right iceberg that wouldn't collapse on us. And, uh, and we came across a hundred humpback whales. Yeah. So I've got my dry suit is- because we're in a rib and fortunately, yeah, you know, I had that and I'm like, whoa, you know, <laughs> let's get in the water. Yeah. And, um, and one of my friends on the boat, who's one of the prettiest women I know, Debbie Stanley, she had her dry suit, but she did not have her hood or her gloves because she was just wearing the dry suit as boat protection. Yeah. Um, so we got in the water. We got in freezing water, Debbie with no hood or gloves. <laughs> and I spent five hours in the water swimming around with 100 humpback whales in capelin fish that were so thick they blotted out the sun. And, and uh, I'll never forget that day. I magic yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just hung around and you, they were feeding yeah. on the capelin yeah uh, yeah yeah they had no worry about us whatsoever in fact you know they would disappear for like move away for a little bit and then come right back so they were just following the capelin and we just happened to be in it yeah. that's
1: <laughs> so, just magical though isn't it? Mm-hmm. you get times like that yeah right okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> no worries right so um you you've said about your Husband, don't really die. What about you guys when you go on holiday? You know, what do you do for? I wouldn't imagine you're much one for sitting around in the sun for (laughs) days. So, what do you like to do if you go on holiday? What do you how do you kick back? And you
0: know, we rode our bikes across Canada, (laughs) so we don't have many like traditional holidays, (laughs) I would say. We're just always kind of doing adventurous things, but um, years ago uh robert asked me to take a break from diving it was after that that scary situation with the woman trapped inside the cave that really shook him to his core you know why do you have to do this you know why do you have to keep doing this when are you going to give me the kind of time that you give to an expedition and uh, i said okay well you know what should we do let's let's do something remarkable together and he said what have you always wanted to do um Beyond, like outside of diving, I said, I want to ride my bike across Canada. He's like, oh, Does it have to be so hard? <laughs> <laughs> so, we literally um, took four months, um, we were three months on the bicycles and rode 7,000 kilometers. Bikes. So, that, that's <laughs> That's a holiday. And last night we were sitting around planning uh, to do it again. Brilliant. Yeah. Do you, have,
1: you, you, With what you do, you know, mm-hmm. you're obviously getting paid to do these things. You know, this is your job as well, as mm-hmm. much as it is your passion. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, um, do you consider yourself, you know, oh, right, I'm back at work. You know, where a lot of people commute to work and then do the job. You think, yeah. oh, I'm go back to work today. No, so, I, I...
0: it's really hard for me to draw the line. And then same thing with vacations, you know, to draw the line between work and fun. And Yeah vacation or home or whatever it just all kind of blends in together like we work really hard we, right, we yeah. a lot of hours a, a week to try and find the next paycheck um but it doesn't feel like work it just feels like what we do it just feels mm. like what fuels us so for that i'm eternally grateful i found i found the thing that i love yeah yeah you've
2: got a passion for what you do so mm-hmm. i can't get any better really so as you down when that's all over what what aspirations have you got for the future?
0: <laughs> <laughs> just getting out. Yeah. Um, well, fortunately, you know, we're on the uh, Canada's great uh, Trans-Canada Trail here. So we are getting out and riding and hiking and everything. But I'm just going to be happy to get back in the water and to get some of my projects back on the yeah. boats again. Because I've, yeah. I've, in the last 60 days, missed out on projects in Norway and micronesia and in australia so yeah are you missing <laughs> just, the traveling
2: obviously you travel so much is it something
0: i don't miss the the logistics part of it like mm. you know it's, it's not fun to travel on airlines <laughs> anymore yeah. once i'm there i'm excited and happy and i love you know new foods new places new experiences yeah i, yeah. I love that part of travel but the getting there is not fun it's going to be a lot less fun when things open up again yeah
2: yeah but there we go so at
0: least you've got
2: time to yeah sort of do some more on your hobbies and um... gardening, sort
0: of. <laughs> yeah. well it's funny I've been I because I'm an artist I'm, there's always I always have something on the go so I'm, I'm knitting I'm crocheting I'm painting I'm doing leather work
1: I'm just like it looks like you're in the studio now is that, is that your drawings and stuff behind you
0: um yeah some of it yeah this is this is kind of my weird uh my weird office here <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, and, and some of my tomato plants there. Do you
1: listen to music, Matt?
0: Yeah, my husband is the musicologist. He used to be in the uh, in the rock and roll business in the '80s, and so I, I'm constantly like, he's he's in charge of our playlists. <laughs> Who, who's
2: he playing for?
0: What's that? Who's he painful? Uh, so awesome. he used to be a music producer. So he. Okay. Yeah, so he used to produce and present uh, bands, but in that sort of heyday, like like he presented the first concert of U2 in North America and worked with Bo Diddley and all kinds of Rasta bands and yeah everyone from yeah. springsteen to yeah you name it um, yeah so that was his first career in life which is kind of handy because now he does audio for my um video work and projects and 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 because of his production b- background he's you know the ultimate you know organizer and facilitator yeah there's
1: what leave is push and what buttons and what have to do <laughs> yeah, yeah. The- a question for you i've got then because i asked uh Mm -hmm. john this um when he went to britannic he was Mm -hmm. listening to led zeppelin when he went to titanic (laughs) he said on his ipod um because i was explaining that when i get car i always like have that first cd you think well Mm -hmm. i'm gonna set it up you know you you want to play something to remember that time Mm -hmm. so when he went to titanic he was listening to enya oh wow he had enya (laughs) playing so so you know what would you if you could and you're down at a deep dive Mm -hmm. and you're going to your favorite happy place Mm
0: -hmm. what
1: music would you take with you what would be your thing
0: so um what's interesting i did have an underwater audio player years ago with with actual like attenuated underwater headphones um Mm so it actually sounded good on deco um and i found that I didn't want music under water. <laughs> um, I've been on other projects where we had a hydrophone dropped in the water and it was broadcasting music. And it's sort of like, oh, that's kind of novel, but but I yeah. kind of didn't want the distraction. You know, when I think about um, music, I think about things like Pink Floyd underwater, but um, but I actually I prefer to be fully... Present in the feelings and sensations and sounds of the water around me, even on a 17 hour deco, you know, when you might think that you'd get bored to tears. I, I, I don't want that additional um, sensory distraction, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been on, I can think of
1: some dives that I've been on, and you could hear boats clanking. Mm-hmm. The- Make an sorts and that's so there is quite sometimes in the sea especially you do get quite a bit of noise pollution oh yeah i mean i've been doing a lovely dive when you're just chilling out and
0: getting in as you say getting into the moment or or it can be fascinating like i've been i've been you know echolocated by pilot whales you know it's like whoa um Or, you know, I was in I was in a cave that's almost three hundred feet deep with a rebreather partner and we started hearing like and I thought, What was that? Oh my god, what's wrong with the rebreather? And I'm looking at my rebreather, he's looking at his rebreather, and it was very loud. We're in a cave, you know, like 90 meters deep and we realized at that point that the cave was underneath a river and what we were hearing were these glass bottom boats that were backing out of uh, a dock mm-hmm. and they had a bad transmission and we'd actually been hearing that that bad grinding transmission topside before and so eventually i i realized i'm like oh my god it's the boats in the basin that are backing up and getting out of the dock and we're hearing it. how far that traveled mm-hmm. Yeah, through the rock, ninety meters down to the underground river. So, Mm. yeah, so noise pollution could be disturbing the animals in the cave. It's it's never had occurred to me before.
1: I could hear a dolphin. I I haven't seen a dolphin, but yeah. Uh, on one of the dives, was in uh, place uh, near Ras Mohammed you know, off, off oh, Egypt, yeah. and uh, we could, you could I could hear a dolphin. I was looking around, and couldn't yeah. see it. that could be miles away. Yeah, miles. he knows where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's amazing stuff. And mm-hmm. um, we've obviously got uh, listeners uh, that we've told a few that we were going to be talking to you. So we've had a few questions from them. So that was sure. there's a few, and um, I think Grace Westcalf interviewed mm-hmm. you at the Go Diving Show in uh, yeah. 2019. Yeah, and we've yeah. Um, interviewed her. They were oh. our first three guests, and cause they're Inca Cresswell and Mae Doricott was one of the Rolex scholars
0: Mm -hmm.
2: um but yeah they just made facts. and Grace is just such an inspiration for how young she she is is. yeah
0: Yeah. yeah, she'll be a Rolex scholar one day I think
2: (laughs) absolutely yes yeah so so she um sent a question in and she just wanted to know um um, have you had any particularly challenging moments in diving expeditions and what did she do to
0: overcome this i think some of that we have answered. oh yeah yeah that was a specific question oh man i i've had lots i mean i was in um lanzarote when i learned that a, a friend had died in a cave in florida you know and and it was like oh you know do i go home do i stop what do i do should i go for the the body recovery should i go diving you know what should i do kind of thing but and i literally said i'm not fit for diving today you know i can't do this um but you know i've also had personnel issues. I remember when, um, down in Antarctica, the boat captain and the chef were going to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, um, she beat him over the head with a tray of bread rolls one day. <laughs> um, and I've had in the middle of Egypt, I've had, um, our, our guides. We, I had guides from the local Amazigh Bedouin tribe, um, assisting me, but then National Geographic sent an extra photographer and he brought guides from the Sinai. Well these are two warring tribes and so I have men in an all out to the death fist fight and I'm like what, you want. what am I supposed to do? You know? So yeah uh, there've been all kinds of challenges, oh. <laughs> in expeditions, yeah. fights with bread <laughs> fights, yeah, yeah. I um, oh, should
2: be really pleased. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we've also had um, a couple of, some a couple of questions in from uh, a friend of ours from the uh, to, to do with the pod, mm-hmm. a gentleman called Andy, who is uh, on YouTube. You look him mm-hmm. up, listeners, as Andy the Northern Diver. Um, and you, I always do. You know, look mm-hmm. him up. Um, he's a really great guy. He does little short Country videos on um, how yeah. to do bits and pieces. Um, anyway, he's asked me to ask you what was the initial steps you took one day, being from a you moved from being a scuba diver, uh, just a standard recreational diver, into. Thinking right, I'm um, getting yourself noticed and pushing your sort of like the profile upwards. How
0: did you do? How did you get Well, you know, I started by selling everything, (laughs) my dive gear, uh, and moving to the islands so that I could be diving all day, every day, and improving my you know photographic skills. And I just focused on on um, you know writing and shooting and submitting stories. Uh, But I think probably the most important thing was uh, volunteering to support other expeditions and scientists that, although was and still is rarely paid, um, uh, it, it opened doors for me. Um, and so it was important to, you know, volunteer, meet other people doing cool things, get involved in that, um, but continue to own the creative assets that I shot during those projects. Those are probably the important things to do.
2: Yep, We've also um, got a couple of patrons that support mm-hmm. us yeah, by the patron site. Um, so we've got one from Ted um, and he just said, is there anything else you have in the pipeline that you're working on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Which> is, yeah, <laughs> he opens up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I might have to kill you if I tell you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. let's just say like I have some really interesting um cave exploration work happening in a couple of different regions that are looking mm-hmm. at um, former sea levels um, and subsidence and potential um, uh, uh, aspects of human habitation inside of caves. Um, and, and that'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah 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 you must be
1: itching to get out <laughs> oh i am boy <laughs> uh, yeah i am as well switch on a daylight today i to oh, t- jump in somewhere that'd be great
0: mm-hmm. andy, 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 on for fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> andy just asked one more question as well um, about rebreathers um if an up and coming underwater photographer was looking to buy a rebreather um, how would you recommend they start to research what is the right one for them? Mm-hmm. Is there a, what's the is there a right way or wrong way of? Making yeah, you that? have
0: to you have to learn a lot about rebreathers before you can make a good choice. Um, A lot of people will steer you into a, you know, try dive in a pool. And all that will do is to show you that you want a rebreather and it will make you fall in love for whatever harness fits. (laughs) So it's not not fair to jump in a pool with different rebreathers and go, oh, I like this one best because you don't know enough. (laughs) You need to read a whole book on rebreathers before you really go out and consider buying one. And you need to understand independent third-party testing. Fortunately, in Europe, everything has to have a CE mark, to, Mm. before you can buy one. Um, And there's a reason for that. Um, It's important. It's a life support device and it deserves more oversight than your toaster. (laughs) You're in America. We don't require that. So it's a bit scary, but that means that there are rebreather brands out there that are not independently tested by third parties or seat rated. And so stay away from those. You you don't need to be a human guinea pig. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I would just say read. You need to, you need to find the right instructor you need to find the right community like consider diving a rebreather that is common in your community that you can get serviced locally you can get good good instruction on locally good point um, yeah so I'm, I'm not necessarily ever going to say xyz rebreather is the best um, because there are a lot of good options out there but okay. a lot of it does involve investigating instruction options and how you're going to get something serviced and maintained over the years that is important,
1: isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah, you don't want to be going by Peter Kit, where you can't get spares and things like that. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they are locally on your door. Same to regulators, I, I wouldn't buy regulators, you know, mm-hmm. offer of eBay or, um, right, is you'd want to buy them from the local mm-hmm. center who you know, who you trust,
0: yeah, develop a relationship, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's
1: one of the things that we try and do with the podcast is try and, mm-hmm. uh, try and support our local diet centers. We're lucky that we, there's two or three around here. And we all yeah. try and share their stuff and yeah. you know, give them shout outs where we can.
0: Yeah, it's more important than ever to support those local uh, local shops so that you have the option to get fills and service mm-hmm. and instruction in the future.
2: Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so another part of our big chat. The is final bit. <laughs> yeah, we're we'll nearly yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. We've um, got five, we think five questions that we ask okay. every guest. Um, okay. So the same set of questions and we just kind of build up a bank that we will then you know, make something off so they're really okay. uh, random questions so the first one is what's your favorite marine animal and why?
0: Mm, probably sea lions stellar sea lions because um, it's like a cross between diving with a pack of, of happy puppies and a bar fight it's really right. fun <laughs>
2: Are they those really big ones
0: but, yeah and um, they yeah. they bite and tug and pull you around steals your fins um steal bubbles and bring them back to you and spit them at you it's just really <laughs> full on it's quite fun i actually have had them puncture my dry suit completely um but still didn't injure me so they're not yeah. out to hurt you they're curious yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no
2: that's great that's great we've not had that one before
0: Mm. No, yes, a new
1: one. What about your favourite piece of dive kit? What is your favourite bit and
0: why? Mm. I have a little tool. This <laughs> sounds funny, but a titanium tool that looks kind of like one of those throwing stars in martial arts. It's sort, it has yeah. um, little, like, Allen wrenches, hex wrenches that stick out in many directions and then little openings that act as a wrench as well. Um, So that little thing made of titanium I have in my dry suit pocket so I can fix almost anything sitting at the surface <laughs> in the water I like that yes,
1: okay. what, about dive, what about dive computer what dive computers do you use? do you have
0: one or do you have a few or? yeah I've been diving with Cinto computers for yeah. ever <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm actually an ambassador for Sinto I'm the diving ambassador I oh yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> but I was diving Cinto long before they asked me to be an ambassador so yeah, yeah. so I, I, I came by it honestly <laughs> We use them in our
1: dive uh, center, you yeah. know, and uh, for our students. Because uh, mm-hmm. they're so easy, the menu system. Really yeah,
0: good. yeah, great, you know, very reliable company that's really at the forefront. Eon Steel? What's that? Eon Steel? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, nice, aren't they? Sort of yeah, nice, very Easy yeah. to read. Brilliant. So, you you know, you, even your really deep dive, you've used and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Good advert for them.
0: I have for over... Boy, 25 years.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good
0: effort.
2: Yeah, yeah that is. Okay, um, so another question. If you name up to three people, they can be past or present. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't yeah. have to be a diver, so mm-hmm. they you, you can dive or snorkel with them. Mm-hmm. Um, personal history, celebrity, family member, who would you choose? to go diving with, so
0: you can name up to three people. <laughs> uh, Sylvia Earle, so I have been diving with her, but I'd like to dive with her again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sylvia Earle, yeah. Um, hmm. so can it be someone who's not with us anymore? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I would true. like to take Rachel Carson diving, the famous environmentalist um, who, you know, I read a lot of her books early in life and was mesmerized by her investigations of tide pools, so I think I'd like to take her diving. Yeah three people. Hmm. Wish I, I wish I could have taken my dad diving. Um, he's yeah. still alive. Um, I took him snorkeling once, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I would have liked to have sh- really shown him in the underwater world. Yeah, Snorkeling's
1: good though, isn't it? Because you can see mm-hmm. loads of I haven't
0: played
1: the turf, uh, yeah. not, not particularly alive. Um, one of the other questions we've got as well is uh, if you could put something on a billboard, um, mm-hmm metaphorically speaking non-commercial words, it's a statement image quote just anything to get a message out to the billions of people what would you put on a bill mm, um,
0: I would just say we are water um, you know the earth is 70% water my body is 70% water and we are all intermingled in this dance of life and everything we do on the surface of the planet will be returned to us to drink mm-hmm. yeah, excellent. and again you know
1: um, we had John on and uh, I asked John that question and mm-hmm. the thing with john was, is that he said that uh, you know it's about the, you know environment the environment it's great mm-hmm. that people like yourselves
0: got that
2: in mind it's mm-hmm. a pivotal time for us all yeah 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 everyone yeah. plays a
0: part mm-hmm. yeah i think after this whole coronavirus thing there's not a person on this earth that can't uh, understand how interconnected we are <laughs> <laughs> so that's one gift from the coronavirus and maybe a whole new understanding of our- yeah
2: and yeah. the impact it's not you know, it's not isolated in a part one part of the world, mm-hmm. it's global, doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I hope this gives us the tool to deal with climate next. Yeah, yeah. I hope
2: so. Yeah great they are fab answers thanks very much
0: that's, all right yeah. i guess i would just say if any if anyone wants to learn more about what i do check out into the or yeah. my book is into the planet and that's available on amazon all over the world so Mind check it out order. on <laughs> yeah, hardback or audio or uh, ebook
2: <laughs> but
0: no that's we really appreciate your time and, yeah. oh my pleasure yeah, yeah it's been really yeah, Thank Thank inspirational
2: for me as well, as a
0: <laughs> <Okay. diver. laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll have to let me know how that first dive goes. I will. I will. Surely <laughs> amazing.
1: All It'll right. Be okay. Thank you very much. Thanks right. so okay. much for your time. My yeah. Thank right. you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. you
0: too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Well, that's brilliant. What do you think about that then, Gemma? Did you enjoy that?
2: Yeah, really inspiring. And she just says, volunteer for anything you can to just better yourself.
1: I think the word volunteer, get involved as well. The words get involved. You know, they are great words. And she said the same thing as well, didn't she? In the Paddy Women's she did, Diving yeah. that we put together. You know, yeah, it was a, one of the biggest messages coming through.
2: Rock up volunteer yourself
1: and just get involved it's you know and uh, there's lots of big projects going on and they all need help jill's got a great book called into the planet look it up available on all the bookshop i'm sure it's on amazon other online so um into the planet look it up great book all about her life and cave diving and different adventures, so that's really good. It's quite it's fascinating to hear some of the things that she's done
2: incredible, and she's experienced something a lot of us will never ever have the chance to do.
1: No, it's true, it is true, and uh, yeah, you, you, it takes a while to build up to them things. So, uh, no, brilliant, and thank you very much, Jill, for taking part again. and. Being involved and being on the big scuba podcast. Yeah. There we go. Thank you very much. So uh until then, I think yeah. we covered everything.
2: Yeah. Speak to um, you all soon. Got more exciting guests coming up.
1: There you go. Stay stay uh stay, tuned. stay with us. <laughs> stay tuned and download the next one. Thank you very much, guys. Speak to you all soon.
2: Okay, bye.